Hi, I'm Neil Patel, host of Decoder, my show about big ideas and other problems. Right now on Decoder, we're doing a mini-series about one of the biggest ideas that's creating some of the biggest problems around, generative AI. Our series dives deep into some of the most pressing issues surrounding generative AI, with expert Verge reporters covering the cutting-edge frontier of the industry. How could copyright lawsuits completely upend large language models and image generators? How big a problem is AI-generated misinformation for the 2024 election? And what kind of impact are AI chatbots having on human relationships? Decoder's AI series will help you understand what's going on, why, and where it might go from here. Tune in every Monday and Thursday for new episodes of Decoder wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back. It is the NFC East mixtape brought to you by Blogging the Boys and Bleeding Green Nation, the greatest rivals ever to coexist in one single place besides myself, Amar Joachoa, and himself, Brandon Lee Gotten, BLG. How goes it, my man? Are you ready for some Wicked Wicked mixtape action? I'm ready, RJ. Just top of the podcast, I want to give a big shout out to the champions of Europe, Chelsea Football Club, uh-huh. who won the... Uh, I totally just lost it. The <laughs> the Champions League. <laughs> the Champions League. Is that what I didn't, didn't I not say that? I totally I don't know why I just spaced that. Anyway. It was, it was weird because you said the Champions League champions who won and mm. then what would have been the Champions League. Totally botched that. Anyway, uh <laughs> they did a much better than I did job of I did I can't even talk today, RJ. This whole thing is a disaster. Anyway, shout out to Chelsea. They're doing great. They won. Uh, no one really cares. People probably here are mad at me because they're not even Chelsea fans. But if you are, hey, congrats. And also, RJ, just wanted to read a quick review that we have on the Bleeding Green Nation podcast feed from Matt12675, who says, the NFC East mixtape is way better than I could have expected. Not sure how I feel about RJ Ochoa humanizing Cowboys fans for me. Uh, he's a hard guy not to like. Look at that. All right. like I like how we're blurring lines you know making everybody love one another um but again i struggled with this on the sb nation nfl show but the uh the montagues and the capulets is that what it is from romeo and juliet one of those sounds definitely right (laughs) yeah okay well i'm pretty certain it was the montagues and the capulets but they like sworn enemies by birth hated each other much like cowboys fans and eagles fans um i did not feel like there was a whole lot of consternation with last week's episode blg we put together an entirely nfc east laden offense and there's a lot of agreement um i did catch some eagles fans who applauded myself uh noting that jason kelsey is a future hall of famer so kudos to me i guess uh this week's exercise not as fun we built an entirely nfc east laden defense and surprise, BLG, the NFC East is really bad at defense, uh, kind of top to bottom. Like, how many how many future Hall of Famers play defense in the NFC East currently? And you can't say Fletcher Cox. I can't say Fletcher Cox? Correct. Why? He's probably because up there. I know, but I want uh, an answer that isn't him. Like, I'm trying to test uh, your creativity I mean, here. Chase Young, like, you know, barring some okay, kind so that's of... that's a good answer, yeah. Like, you know, like terrible injury or something. I mean, he's definitely, he's just going, if he keeps his rookie pace, he will, yes, definitely be a Hall of Famer. Um, outside of that, I'm looking at the list here of my team, and I don't see anyone that is even, like, in the in the argument for it. 
besides Micah Parsons, of course, right? Um, sure. <laughs> um, okay, well, let's let's go ahead and start. Um, you, you know, we agreed that we were going to play eleven personnel on offense. Uh, you only want two linebackers, BLG. I mean, welcome to today's NFL. So uh, we're going nickel uh, here. Do you want to start with a defensive end? Do you want to start Chase Young? Because I mean, if he's not on this team, what are we doing? You know. Sure. And the other thing I'd say about the defensive formation, too, is just like the NFC East isn't good enough to have three linebackers <laughs> over another cornerback. Like there's no like if, we're, if this is a real team, there's no way they should be playing base defense. Like right. That'd be terrible. Um, It's like it's not even like super easy to get to two. Honestly. Anyway, we'll get there, though. But okay. start with Chase Young. Uh, I mean, that's just an obvious one. Again, uh, just a beast last year. Everyone knew he was going to be a beast. He was such an obvious pick. He was such a, like, he's a player that classically goes one in, like, any draft, unless there obviously is a quarterback. Like, he's, like, easily, you know, top non-quarterback prospect from, like, any kind of given draft class. Recently, he's a stud. Uh, It really stinks that Washington had him. I remember, like, rooting for Washington to kind of find a way to get out of that number two spot. I think, like, the Lions, yeah, the Lions were, what, number three that year? I was, like, hoping the Lions could find a way to get him instead. But instead, he's in the NFC East, and that sucks, really. I agree with you, and I agree. I think he's the best defensive player in the NFC East, Um, certainly at least, like, in terms of God-given talent and and what his career – like, what all these players' careers are going to look like when they're done, his is most likely going to be the best. Um, You mentioned quarterbacks. This is not really about this team because it's super obvious to just say Chase Young is on it. Um, People have had this debate before, but was Washington correct to take him over Justin Herbert now that you have the benefit Mm. of hindsight? Um, no, because I mean, I mean, with, with the benefit of hindsight, absolutely not just because I mean, right. it's all about the quarterback and I think Herbert's going to be really, really good. Um, but I mean, there's just no way you could have, you know, said that at the time, like not even, I, I, like, I don't think you, it's, you just can't with hindsight. Yes. But in the, the moment, no. So interestingly, then we could say that over the last five years, every team in the NFC East has held a top five pick and in hindsight done the wrong thing. Right, because the Eagles, Carson Wentz, obviously the wrong thing. Uh, do you like, really want to say that's the wrong thing when they won no, a Super no, Bowl? I mean, they did, but you get you get the point. Like you can apply a wrong thing tag to it. It's a unique one, but you get the point. Ezekiel Elliott from the Cowboys, again, wrong thing. It's a running back in the top in, in the first round, let alone the top five. So it's the wrong thing. New York Giants take a running back and Saquon. And the Washington football team makes the best mistake, I guess, although you could certainly make an argument for Carson Wentz, to your point, uh, in Chase Young over Justin Herbert. But yeah, like that's amazing that all four teams have had top five picks and at least had questionable results. Is that also your top defensive end? Oh, yeah. I don't know how you have anybody else here. Uh, so I guess the true intrigue lies with your number two defensive end. I can go first if you want, because I feel like you're going to yeah. hit it. Uh, okay. DeMar- Demarcus Lawrence. I, I mean, I don't <laughs> No, Seriously. I mean, I think he is underrated generally, and he's the best defensive player on the Cowboys. Um, but there's just not a lot of talent here. I mean, who who mm. outranks Demarcus Lawrence in your mind? So I think it comes down this this one comes down to Montez Sweat, who had nine sacks last year. And, you know, I thought it was a really nice prospect coming out of college and like fell to a favorable spot for Washington to take him. And I think continue to do good things in the future is between him or Brandon Graham for me. And by the way, I was looking up Brandon Graham's numbers in comparison to Demarcus Lawrence because I had a sneaking suspicion you might do this. And Brandon Graham has better numbers across the board in sacks, tackles for loss, quarterback hits the past, I think, two years. 
like Tank hasn't Tank. I, I'm saying his nickname. Like I actually call him <laughs> that. I know you call him that. Like Tank hasn't been good for you guys in a minute now. And like when he was at his prime, sure, but he hasn't been that player in a little bit. And I couldn't put him on this list. To me, I put Brandon Graham here. And uh, look, everyone's gonna be like, "Oh, you're homering it up." It's an Eagles player. Brandon Graham is. I will. I, I will say that I am not even being unbiased. I am totally biased. I love Brandon Graham, but I think he does deserve it. He is a player who consistently brings it every single week. I want a player like that on my team. When the Eagles were terrible last year, RJ, like Brandon Graham was like one of the only bright spots. And it's really unfortunate he didn't hit double digit sacks uh, for the first time in his career because he was really on pace to do that. He had like seven in the first eight games or so. And it looked like he was like <laughs> finally going to do it. And then he didn't. He kind of had a cold stretch to the end of the season, which kind of works against him on this list. But I love Brandon Graham. We have the same initials, BLG. And he, his name is Brandon Lee Graham, for those who don't know. And uh, yeah, I'm, so I'm putting them on my You team. have like two thirds of the same name, like completely, entirely. Yes. Yeah. Um, well, you're wrong again here. This, this is why the mixtape is so great. Um, and that we're both like arguing over Homer takes. So I have a question for you, Brandon Lee Gowden, not Graham. Um, mm-hmm. so the top three and PFF isn't the end all be all, but it is an interesting, you know, exercise and sometimes like, you know, uh, tiebreaker in some, some cases, but going off defensive grades last year, if we're looking just at edge defenders, the top three players by PFF standards, Khalil Mack, TJ Watt, Joey Bosa, none of that's surprising to you, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, who is the highest rated, if you're having to guess, edge defender in the NFC East last season? Was, 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 it, was it your guy? I want you to guess who it was. Uh, I looked at this, actually, and now I can't remember. So you tell me. Well, Chase Young was number five. Super impressive. Mm. Like, all the more reason why this guy's astounding. Like, he's this highest rookie, whatever. He was not the highest rated edge rusher in the NFC East. Demarcus Lawrence, number four. And for full context mm. here, Montez Sweat, number 11. Um, so, I mean, you have a, an argument there. And I'm struggling to find uh, Derek Barnett was number 45, I believe. Mm. Uh, Josh Sweat was number 31. Uh, Shout out, of course. And uh, Brandon Graham was number 10. So maybe we're, mm. we're, I don't know how I skipped over him, but so uh, from like top to bottom in the NFC East, Demarcus Lawrence, four, Chase Young, five, Brandon Graham, 10, Montez Sweat, 11. So Demarcus Lawrence, I like PFF kind of broke this tie in my mind. I don't think you can appreciate this as a Cowboys fan, but Brandon Graham is like an awesome personality. Like, sure, I can uh, I don't, appreciate that. That's awesome. Well, I meant like, you can appreciate it when I tell you that, but like I don't know if you know that necessarily. I don't know if Cowboys fans like know that. If you got to see um, All or Nothing, you know, last year, right? Like the one on the 2019 Eagles, he was like a big star of that, and I was glad for him to finally get some like national love in that way because he's awesome. And I think that like I want that guy on my team. Like I, I just like he's such a positive force of energy. And again, like I, I just feel like if things are gonna like I'm pretending that like this is a real team in part, right. RJ. And like I feel like like when they're coming to like you're looking for a tiebreaker when you're talking to talent and everything. I think that matters like leadership, personality, all that. Like Brandon Graham is just a force of positivity and I want him on my team. And again, I'm super biased and I love him. If I'm going to like keep, if I'm going to stand for one player, it's going to be Brandon Graham. So I, again, this is just, I think, instructional for Cowboys and Eagles fans because I think a lot of Cowboys fans didn't know that about Brandon Graham. Demarcus Lawrence is a similar personality. He's the loudest dude in the Cowboys defensive, you know, sort of side of the ball. Um, he is the leader of the Hot Boys, which is a name that every Cowboys fan hates. That's uh, terrible. But, but still, so he, he is their, like, unquestioned leader. He also is their, like, meme maker, and he backs it up. Like, he used to have so much fun at Eli's expense. Like, he would always tweet, 
funny things about Eli and like him sacking Eli. So not only is he funny or cool or a leader or whatever you want to put on it, but he is also like a trash talker. And I like that. Like, I feel like we don't have enough of that in the NFL. Like I love that he would hate all over Eli. Um, so we are, we, you completely forgot about Montez sweat. So not loyal to him at all, apparently, but, um, I'm fine if we want to split this and just take three ends and one tackle. Cause I really only have one defensive tackle that I feel passionate about. I don't know about you though. Uh, I think that's a fair thing, but let's get to that, I guess. Um, so the, so the, well, I'll go first because the only defensive yeah. tackle worth making a big ta-da about in the NFC East is Fletcher Cox. That's it. Like you can make there's conversation. No, yeah, yeah, there's there's if you want to talk about anybody else, fine. Like you want to project, maybe a Giants fan wants to cape for Leonard Williams, it was totally worth it, whatever. Like there are some arguments to be made, but Fletcher Cox is the only dude that like has to be on this team. Does Tank ever play on the inside? He does. Like, does he ever rush? Okay, so Brandingham does that, and that could make him more valuable. Look at that. Uh, <laughs> oh, so that's that's actually, by the way, how he strip shot strip sack Tom Brady in the Super Bowl. He's lining up over Shaq Mason, and that's how he did his magic. So I think we're putting Brandingham on here. I think that breaks the tie. And uh, I mean, I had Leonard Williams as my second defensive tackle. He had a good year. He had a really good year last he year. He was and my second kind of too, to be fair. But yeah. And really surprising because, like, I thought that was a like a really dumb trade by Dave Gettleman. Like at the time they made that, the Giants were bad, and it's like they're trading for this defensive tackle who hasn't really like done much on the Jets. Obviously, he was a high pick, but he had a good year last year. Now, uh, you know, is this like a contract year kind of player? Like he steps it up in in this contract year, and now we're not going to see the same version of him, or did he legitimately break through? I don't know. That's going to be interesting to see. But uh, but I think he's number two. Uh, I think Javon Hargrave could be in the conversation if he has a strong, like if we're looking at this list next year, like he could definitely be in the mix and potentially depending how long Fletcher Cox plays and everything could even be like maybe a successor or what have you. But uh, for now I I would have to put Williams here. That's fair. Um, Fine. If we have to split the difference. And I think this is the true, like if we're building this team on Brandon Graham Mm -hmm. and Demarcus Lawrence, Brandon Graham's older, dude, he's what? 33. (laughs) I mean, seriously, Uh, like that's a thing. Yeah, but here's the thing, though. With him, he didn't really play much earlier on in his career. He didn't become a starter till like like five or six years into his career. So he has a lot of tread still left on the tires. And I would argue his style of play is going to age very well. He's not just like a speed rusher. He's also a power guy. And I think of guys like that who've gone deep into NFL careers, even look at like James Harrison, who was playing against the Eagles in the Super Bowl and working uh, Big V in that game. Like I think of older guys who can kind of uh, go longer in their career. So that doesn't really matter as much to me with him. Well, Demarcus Lawrence isn't even 30 yet. I mean, you know, he's okay. on the right side of that. So we're, we're split there. That is a really that's the, I think, heaviest a debate that we've had so far um although you really disrespected michael gallup last week and that's fine uh but let's let's move we'll come back to this if we have to uh two linebackers this is tough i mean like this is not fun i thought about this as a joke at first like when i like you know ten thousand foot approach the exercise here i thought like oh i'll troll blg and say micah parsons tell me that that doesn't hold some weight here like to put micah parsons on this team in fact, so, I would I would make the two linebackers Micah Parsons and Jamin Davis. Like I think that's fair. I don't think that's insane. 
Although I think Blake Martinez actually deserves one of the two spots. And I didn't really look me being wrong here for doubting Dave Gettleman crazy. I thought that was like a weird signing for the the Giants last year. Cause like, I think everyone was like, Oh, he's great tackle numbers and stuff in green Bay. But even like reading a lot of stuff about him at the time, because Blake Martinez was like considered to be potentially an Eagles target too. Cause they need and still need linebacker help. And like, Basically, from what I gathered about him, a lot of like volume stats, like empty, like counting stats, like not really, you know, making impact plays. Uh, but to his credit, he seemed to have like a better year last year. Like that was like the perception. And if you look at PFF, again, take that for what it's worth. But he was their seventh highest graded linebacker last year. And he was specifically 11th in coverage. So it does seem like he kind of had a good year. And the Giants defense was, you know, respectable on the whole. And I think he was part of that. So I think it's fair to give Blake Martinez one of these spots, especially because, I mean, like Parsons and Davis, they can get into that next, but like, you know, these are, these are projections. Right. Well, that's fine. And I, I don't have any like strong contention against this because you're right. Like it's fair. And it was a weird signing that I don't say panned out, but that didn't blow up in David Gunnerman's face. That's fine. Blake Martin. But who, who else are you even remotely making an argument for? There's like, so, there's no, like there's no cowboy, honestly, outside of Micah Parsons that I'm standing on a table for here. I'm not at all fighting for Leighton Van Rish or Jalen Smith, just for the record. Uh, I had for my next one, like I had Blake Martinez by himself as my first linebacker. Then the next one, I have three guys in the mix and I wanted to, to talk it out. I have Parsons obviously at the top, although it's kind of weird. Like we're, we're putting a player in here who didn't even play last year and which maybe that doesn't mean anything, but it's just kind of, it could, I don't know. It's, it's kind of funny. <laughs> that says more about the division. You know what I mean? Than it does Micah. Himself, oh yeah. You know what I mean? Sure. Yeah. And that's, and that's part of it, but it's just kind of like weird to do that. And then, uh, Jimmy Davis, of course, I mean, he's in the conversation and then I think Cole Holcomb was an interesting name, RJ. Uh, I don't even know if you know who that is, but he was PFF's 11th graded linebacker last year. I was looking at some of his coverage stats. He only allowed a 64.7 passer rating when targeted. So he's like their weak side linebacker. He's been good in coverage. From listening to some of the Eye on the Enemy, uh, shout out John Stolness, like podcasts that we have on Bleeding Green Nation and talking to some Washington people on there. They have like shouted him out before, Cole Holcomb. I know Michael Kist, our, uh, I guess our boss, our big boss man, is a, is a Cole Holcomb guy, if I'm not mistaken. So uh, I think he's solid. I don't know if he's good enough to make a uh, first team, but maybe he's like a second team guy if we're putting him behind Parsons. Sure. I think what limits him, this is a weird way to put it, but... And this is where PFF is wonky, which is why you can't, you know, everybody knows you can't use it as like, you know, gospel only played just over 600 defensive snaps last year. So, like, it's mm-hmm. it's hard to really gauge who he is or would be. And it's fair to say, like, yeah, you know, pleasant surprise. And to your point, maybe nice reserve guy, right? Like me, if if we are putting three linebackers on the field, maybe that's who, who right. jumps in here. Um, but I and so in this case, because the state of the linebacker group is so bad, I mean, outside of Blake Martinez, like, like think about that. Blake Martinez easily stands tall among all of the linebackers in this division. I think in th- there are rare cases where this would make sense across any division. I do think that it's very obvious that Micah Parsons is number two. Yeah, I mean, I think you have to give it to him. Uh, Eric Wilson from the Eagles is the only one I guess you could kind of consider. He's been good in coverage, but he hasn't been good as a run defender. So I'm not going to make that argument. Who are you most shocked that we're not considering here? Is it because I feel like the answer is Leighton Vanderish, that like that he is so obviously not in consideration? Well, I, I was looking at Jimmy Kemsky's uh, all NFC's team because he did this a couple of weeks ago, kind of stole this idea from him. No big deal. Uh, <laughs> give him a shout out. So it's fine. Uh, he had, I think, Jalen Smith on a second team. And I was like, Jimmy, 
like I didn't say this to him, but I was thinking, I'm like, no, like, what are you doing? Like Jalen Smith is bad and he has been bad for a while now and he can't cover. And I don't know how you could put him like in consideration for the first team. So is that surprising to me? No, like that we're not having him here, but that Jimmy did, it's like crazy to me. I don't know that Jalen is in the top three overall linebackers on his own team. I mean, I would, I think if, and again, if the extra, like if you're talking contracts and stuff, it gets a little bit more complicated, but like if, if you're talking just talents, there is not a Cowboys fan who is taking Jalen Smith over either Micah Parsons or Jabril Cox, who, you know, both of the draft picks, or, I mean, if you're talking like, I can only have one of these dudes, I think most people would rather have Leighton Vandrush. Although, and this says more about Leighton than it does Jalen. Jalen has been remarkably more healthy than Leighton Vanderesh has since 2018 when Leighton was drafted. And that's a big reason why I don't think I even had LVE in consideration here. Just like the injury thing. Like I, I can't, I'm not putting him on my team. Yeah. For what it's worth, uh, Jalen Smith was PFF's 44th ranked linebacker. Um, mm. Tied for 44th with uh, Damian Wilson and Joe Schobert of the Jacksonville Jaguars. So, um, you know, hard times for Jalen Smith, at least. But he's got his number nine. Like, things could be a lot worse for him. You know what I mean? Um, speaking of number nine, I, that's not a good segue, but we had to take a break and I had to say something. So, uh, nobody go anywhere. We'll be back after a very quick break to hear a word from our sponsors. Hi, I'm Neil Patel, host of Decoder, my show about big ideas and other problems. Right now on Decoder, we're doing a mini series about one of the biggest ideas that's creating some of the biggest problems around generative AI. Our series dives deep into some of the most pressing issues surrounding generative AI, with expert Verge reporters covering the cutting-edge frontier of the industry. How could copyright lawsuits completely upend large language models and image generators? How big a problem is AI-generated misinformation for the 2024 election? And what kind of impact are AI chatbots having on human relationships? Decoder's AI series will help you understand what's going on, why, and where it might go from here. Tune in every Monday and Thursday for new episodes of Decoder, wherever you get your podcasts. Support for this episode comes from Viator. Sure, a good souvenir is always fun, but it's the experiences that people love the most about traveling. When you get back home, that t-shirt might fade and that snow globe might break, but it's those once-in-a-lifetime memories that will last. Viator is a website and app where you can book travel experiences like architectural sightseeing, snorkeling excursions, sunset cruises, and so much more. With Viator, you can reserve everything from simple tours to thrilling adventures with over 300,000 bookable experiences in 190 countries. Whether you're a foodie, a history buff, or an adrenaline junkie, there's something for everyone. Plus, Viator's travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you can have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. When you book a travel experience with Viator, there's always flexibility and support with free cancellation, payment options, and 24-7 service. Make memories that will last forever with Viator. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. I welcome back BLG went and studied and it was the champions league that chelsea won uh congratulations to your football club blg i know you're very proud where did you watch the match last week so i watched it uh in a bar i mean crazy times uh you know it, <laughs> right. it, it's cra- i know crazy concept um but it, and it was great uh watched it with a friend had a great time uh we were super pumped up it was kind of a weird game just in that like they scored in the first half and then you know 
that was there wasn't a lot more like a whole lot of action after that like that was the winning goal but uh hey i'll take it and again no one really cares here but i'm happy so that's all uh, did you break bread did you have a meal oh yeah yeah i had a catfish sandwich it was really good was it fried or grilled what are we talking about here uh fried N- french fries chips like you got to give us the whole you know well like chips like i could say chips but they are french fries hmm. so yeah so you're one of those people okay that's fine i, I don't um, say that, I wouldn't <laughs> say that but i'm the same you, I, I don't know if you're asking me if i actually had french fries or potato chips you didn't say potato chips if you said potato chips do I, you I mean, really call them potato chips like you say that you say that every time you describe them not necessarily yeah they're just chips I want to give a shout out, by the way, Trader Joe's truffle chips. So oh, good. Dude. Yeah. Pick up a bag. That's true. Okay. Uh, we have a secondary to fill out. This is, there's talent. Well, there's new talent here. Uh, do you want to go corner or safety first, BLG? I want to go corner. Okay. Well, kick us off. And I'll start with someone who I think is undisputed, and that's James Bradbury, who I think was a really good signing. I can't believe how much praise I'm giving Dave Gettleman, who I think. <laughs> is kind of like a moron when it comes to being a GM, but he's made some better moves recently. And James Bradbury was a great signing. I think he's easily the top cornerback in the NFC. He was great last year. He didn't make the pro ball. Like he's, he was, this is your, if you're looking for a number one corner, James Bradbury is one. It was a great signing by the giants. It really was. Um, and you're right. And it's weird because I don't think either of us, I think we both think that the giants will have a great secondary this year. And we'll get to that in a second, but I don't think we regard them as having great defensive talent. And like, but we've talked about a lot of names. We've talked about Leonard Williams. We talked about Blake Martinez. Um, you know, if they had a, a prominent edge rusher, I think they'd be a little bit more in the mix here. But and now, obviously, you could make the argument that they have the best secondary in the NFCs. I mean, that that argument is there. I think right now, certainly the best cornerback tandem. But yeah, James Bradbury is the best cornerback in the NFC East. Who is like? Who did you used to think of as the best cornerback in the NFCs? Like, who held that mantle for a while? Like, legacy-wise or, like, recent years? I'm not talking, like, Jason Seahorn legacy-wise, but, you know, like, somewhat recently. um, Mm. You know, because I'm I'm trying to think, like, at no point did I ever really feel like the Cowboys had the best dude in the division. And the Eagles have struggled at the position for so long. And so it's, it's tough to really find, like, one guy who has been dominant in the division. There hasn't really been one with lasting power, right? Like I'm right. thinking like Asante Samuel was that last guy for in the division, like someone right. who like lasted and is like a, you know, a big impact player. Um, I mean, I, unless I'm like totally just overlooking someone here, like I, it's not jumping out to me. No, I mean, there's not, I mean, they maybe D'Angelo Hall, like a teeny right. bit, you know, I mean, yeah. that, that might be it, but there's like that's it's a pretty washed position in the division overall. Um, so you know, respect to James Bradbury for climbing this mountain. All I'm saying is like it wasn't necessarily like territory that had been conquered a thousand times. So um, good for him. Um, but our second corner, and we could decide how we want to play these if we really want to. But I think it's just the top three corners, and then we figure it out. Is Adore Jackson his new teammate? I mean, mm. I, we were both pissed. Friend of the SB Nation NFL show, Adore Jackson. By the way. Um, I mean, that sucks. That really sucks that the Giants have both of them now. I was I really can't believe that Tennessee is so was so out on him. Um, mm. just in general. He's so athletic and I know it didn't work out, but still I really feel like that is going to massively change who the Giants are defensively and does put them over the top in terms of having the best cornerback group in the division. So that's interesting that you take him, because I think you're wrong. <laughs> and uh this isn't me like being mad that 
Dory Jackson spurned the Eagles. And this isn't like, so <laughs> I, I think Dory Jackson could end up being like this guy next year, but I think it's kind of tough to put him here after he didn't play much in 2020. It's a bit of a projection. I can say that. Uh, and I also saw this back when he was uh, released, which is a surprise. Remember that? Like everyone's like, what? Like, why did the Titans release a Dory Jackson? And that's not always just because like teams are dumb. Like sometimes there's good reasons behind that. And what I remember reading, shout out to Music City Miracles at the time, they shared a tweet from Terry McCormick who said, I'm very, I'm much more surprised by Dennis Kelly's release than Dory Jackson's. I had heard talk that the Titans were not enamored with Jackson during his rehab process. Mm. Uh, so that's not great. And uh, it's not enough to, to say he doesn't belong in the conversation because when he's been healthy, he's been effective. And I had him here. So just like I had linebacker, like three guys earlier for my linebacker too, I have three guys listed here for cornerback too. I think I'm going to have to go with William Jackson. That was and my third. Of, okay. Which is – so a lot of Eagles fans listening to this podcast, RJ, are going to be like, how do you not have Darius Slay here? And, well, here's the thing. Uh, Darius Slay, I don't think he's been good for a little bit now. Like, Or at least he hasn't been the Darius Slay that you think of when you hear his name. He's not mm-hmm. in his prime anymore. Uh, I think he's going to be playing his age 30 season. He was 23rd. This is Darius Slay, RJ, and PFF's cornerback rankings. Jackson, meanwhile, was ninth, and then you have James Bradbury up at fifth. I want to read you some stats here. From the last two years, Darius Slay, his average passer rating is 96.8. Last year, specifically, it was 111.9. Now, look, he had a lot of tough covers. You always have to consider that. But, like, the Eagles got this guy and literally made him the highest-paid cornerback in the NFL at the time of trading for him and then giving him that extension. And when the Eagles needed him to stop Devontae Adams and DK Metcalf last year, he didn't. He came up small. Now, he was, like, dealing with some, like, I guess, nagging injuries during that time. But that's another concern with him. Like, he's been doing – that's been a problem for him in recent years. He hasn't, like, missed games, but he's, like, been not fully 100%. Meanwhile, in that same stretch the past two years, William Jackson – a 90.8 passer rating, so just six points lower on the average. But last year, he was at 88.2, so really good. Now, Jackson only has three career interceptions, which is pretty low. So you're not like getting the ball production out of him. But I think he's a really good player, and I love that signing for Washington. I agree with you. I, that's I'm, I'm extrapolating both the Adoree Jackson, but the Jackson signings, I guess, uh, for both New York and Washington. I think that those were two, maybe arguably the two best defensive free agent additions that the entire division had this year. You're, you're right on Darius Slack. I can tell you like a Cowboys perspective. No Cowboys fan is like intimidated by that. Like that, that went as great as it could have gone for Cowboys fans because a lot of it was like, oh, here comes like the whole move here is to stop Amari Cooper twice a year, right? Like, and you know, it hasn't like it so far, it's a failure. It's a categorical failure and it's only one year in. We'll see whatever. But I mean, he's not even sniffing the top three for me, at least at the current moment. But so, okay, like I have zero issues with William Jackson because you're right. And I, I, what I loved about the signing for Washington, it's a strength. It, you're you're fortifying a strength, which is awesome to see. Great. But who's your third corner then? If you're going James Bradbury and William Jackson, who's your third dude? The last thing I want to say in Slay before we get to the third corner is that <laughs> after Darius Slay had his first interception uh, last season, RJ, which came in week 16, which the Eagles were eliminated from the playoffs officially by the Cowboys Shout uh, out. and gave up like what, like 500 yards, like a ton of yards. Obviously, you know, Dalton had a huge day against the Eagles secondary. Darius Slay spent like a decent amount of time after the game on Twitter, like retweeting everyone who like congratulated him on his one interception. And there were some native tweets in there too. I counted them. I think I counted like 11 or like 14, like a number in the teens. And I was like, cool, great look. 
you know, really, really <laughs> fun to see that. Uh, that's like some Jalen Smith stuff. So uh, my third <laughs> corner is Kendall Fuller, actually, RJ, because I am factoring in here, like this is a nickel defense. We need someone who can play in the slot and Kendall Fuller can. And he can also play on the outside. He was actually considered to be like one of the league's best uh, slot corners for a time. And I think he makes the most sense. And not just because he can play in the slot, but he's also, I think, if I'm not mistaken, has some experience at safety. So I just like that versatile kind of player in the secondary. And I think he makes the most logical sense there. I have no qualms with this. I mean, it just shows again how maybe Washington's maybe I'm I'm being very kind of the Giants secondary and very we're both being ignored in the kind of Dave Gettleman. Um, I'm definitely projecting what the Giants will have at corner. Maybe at current present moment, Washington has them edged out at the cornerback position, but New York maybe could surpass them this year. And a lot of that is just like the greatness of James Bradbury, like elevating whatever Adoree Jackson is. But um, that's fine. I mean, if you want to kick Adoree out, that's fine. Again, I believe in him. I'm the one who spoke to him on the Espionation NFL show. So I. <laughs> Yeah, I have an obligation. to. He was really cool. We had a a great conversation the week of the Super Bowl, but um, that's fine. I I did want to add one more and fine. A Homer, you know, accusation, if you want. I do. (laughs) I do think not that I don't think he's there now. But if we're if we're like, you know, calling dibs on guys that could potentially be in this conversation in the future. Trayvon Dix, I do like he is. He was well-established, had three interceptions last year, all against the Eagles, by the way. Um, I mean, that's rare for a Cowboys rookie corner to come away with any interceptions, but not that that necessarily says anything, but was a really, really, really promising player. Had to play a lot early on just because of injuries and COVID. Um, and so people are really excited about him. So I think just be be aware. He's, he's the top cornerback on the Cowboys roster now. I mean, he... he obviously has a high pedigree. He's only been playing the position for a couple of years. I mean, so I'm just saying... Look out for Trayvon Diggs. That's all. I will look out for him getting roasted <laughs> by Devontae Smith this season. I can't wait for that to happen. We'll see. Uh, former teammates, by the way. Um, okay, so safety's left. Um, this didn't – we should have saved corner. Corner was so good. Safety is not fun. Um, I don't know. Uh, why don't you start then? Because I, I thought uh, – this one's, like, interesting. I didn't really have, like, a – yeah. I, I mean, like I was kind of like between names here. The the name I could feel best about is Landon Collins. That's the best one. Like that's that's where I feel. I wouldn't. I don't have him on my list. I mean, again, I'm not like there's. I, I'm not gonna like put up a fight for Landon Collins. But part of this is, and I mean, you talk about like from a Cowboys or Eagles perspective. I mean, I'm so used to putting like any dude at safety and hoping for success. Landon Collins has some pedigree of success in his past, mm-hmm. which might qualify him more than anybody else. If you want to know my other one, I had Jabril Peppers, just because, again, like the bar is so low at this position in this division. I would not have Collins in there. I would say the Washington's defense didn't really miss him uh, when he went out last year. And there's an argument that there is a better safety who I actually have included on here, which is Cameron curl, RJ. I thought about it. I, I I actually thought that you would do it though. So if I'm, if I'm pulling the curtain back, I didn't do it for the purposes of this moment. Okay. So three interceptions, four passes, defense, two sacks, five quarterback hits and an 82.3 passer rating when targeted last year as a rookie, like pretty impressive. That's pretty good stuff there. And I think there's a chance that like he's better than Collins and then Washington doesn't play Colin or doesn't play him or as much as they should maybe because they're committing to Collins, which would be mm-hmm. a mistake. Um, yeah. So to, it, it's another three slash kind of thing for me where I have 
Cameron Curl here. I have Anthony Harris, who is an interesting player to consider this position. I mean, RJ, he led all safeties interceptions back in 2019. Like, I think PFF had him as like their number one overall graded safety, and then maybe even number one overall free agent. Uh, I guess, you know, Tom Brady notwithstanding. So, uh, and then obviously he got tagged. And then he had a down year at the Vikings last year. So I don't know if that's the same Anthony Harris that we saw last year. Um, that's going to continue. And if he is, then that's a problem. And then he's definitely not on this list. But like the upside is here that he could be one of the very best. I saw going back to Jimmy. I think he, Jimmy had him as one of his starters. And then I have Peppers as the third guy. And I think I, I don't really feel strongly about a Jabril Peppers. I think he's like fine. Uh, if you want to include that he can return as a bonus, I guess you could throw that in there. But hey, if you're doing uh, that, then you know let's let's go talk about Adoree Jackson some more. I mean, if we're talking about ultimate versatility here, he hasn't done it. Though. <laughs> I was looking up his return numbers. He hasn't done it in a bit. But uh, but yeah, I mean, so I I'm gonna go with Curl. I think he could be like what he showed as a rookie. Like he, it's a it's a bit of a projection, but the potential he showed, like that might be like the start of something really good for Washington. I agree. Um, 836 defensive snaps. So not a small sample size like we talked about. Like there's a lot of meat on that bone to really kind of justify a high level of belief. It certainly helps that he plays on a defense that has a great pass rush just about at every spot. Uh, but that's that's the game, right? Like and we're the ones building this team. So I'm fine with Cameron Curl and Jabril Peppers um, if, if we want to call it that. So, I mean, again, I'm not like supremely attached to Landon Collins. Landon Collins is what number safety though? Like if, if we are power ranking them, he's fifth. Um, so I also have, so my other starter that I have on my list is actually Rodney McLeod. And oh, I think Rodney is really okay. good. He's coming off an ACL injury, which is a concern, the second ACL injury. And maybe he's also getting up there, but Rodney, if we're again, if we're talking about team dynamic and leadership mattering too, I mean, this is the Eagles Walter Payton Man of the Year nominee. This is a guy very active in the community. He's a team captain on the Eagles. He was kind of like a big reason why they were comfortable letting Malcolm Jenkins go, which was dumb, but uh, still speaks to his leadership abilities. I like Rodney a lot. Kind of think he's underrated. He had a, he's having a pretty good year last year, and it kind of got lost in the Eagles, you know, being a disaster overall. Uh, so I think he belongs in this conversation. I kind of almost feel a little bit better about him, uh, injury notwithstanding, than Anthony Harris. Just I think Harris had a down year last year. Uh, so if we're talking about where Collins has, I mean, I have one, two, three, four people ahead of him at the very least. That's fine. I mean, again, I'm not putting up any fight about this. So, um, okay, so then we're saying the two safeties here are Rodney and Cameron Curl. Is that correct? Yes. So all together uh, – at one defensive end spot, we have Chase Young. I mean, I gave you Rodney McLeod. I understand. So you're willing to give me to Marcus Lawrence? It's really big of you, BLG. Right on. Um, no, then- <laughs> I'd rather I'd rather Brandon Graham than Rodney McLeod. <laughs> uh, Fletcher Cox. Uh, we said Leonard Williams at the other tackle spot, I believe. Micah Parsons and Blake Martinez at linebacker. Uh, we said James Bradbury, William Jackson the third. And um, Kendall, Kendall Fuller. Fuller. Kendall Fuller was the third corner, and then at yeah. safety we have Cameron Curl and Rodney McLeod. I mean, like of all these dudes, Chase Young aside, if if our GM came in and said, "Hey, I'm trading one of these dudes," are you really like heartbroken over any of these? Um, I mean, I'd be very sad to see Brandon Graham go. But, I mean, like again, but if we're talking about our team, right? Uh, you know, our our, our made up NFC's team here, um. 
uh, Graham, yeah, Chase Young, Graham, and then that's probably it. I'm not even going to say Parsons. Uh, no, just I'm okay with that. potential. You can't trade him right away. You know what I mean? You got to see what he's got first. I mean, I'm not going to be heartbroken, but uh, yeah, it wouldn't. It probably wouldn't be the best move. We're probably not getting accurate value on that if we're trading him right away. Uh, um, my question for you, RJ, I guess maybe while you tally these numbers up, like from each mm-hmm. team, if you want to do that, um, is I, I think we decided right last week that Kellen Moore was like the offensive coordinator for our team. Right. Uh, like he was our, you know, our play caller for the all NFC's team. Who are we taking as our defensive coordinator here? I think it's Patrick Graham. I don't think there's any question about that. Did we talk about this? I feel like we mentioned this last week too. We did. But, we I mean, did. It's obviously, it's more fitting for this episode, though. We had to we had to bring it up again. So okay, we're gonna take Patrick Graham. Uh, yeah, I think that's fair. I think uh, Jonathan Gannon is intriguing, but very much unproven. So we'll have to see what he can do. Uh, so interesting. Okay, so Kellen Moore, offensive play caller, or well, not necessarily play caller. We'll see when we get into next week's episode where we'll go over head coach and GM and round out special teams, which I know people are thrilled about. But um, he's our offensive coordinator at the very least. And Patrick Graham is our defensive coordinator. Okay. Um, Okay, so final tally is in. The Washington football team had four players on this team. Cameron Curl, William Jackson the third, Kendall Fuller, and Chase Young. Uh, Second place, the New York Giants had three. Uh, they had Leonard Williams, they had Blake Martinez and James Bradbury. Uh, we did go with a half last week with the Michael Gallup uh, situation. Um, and so in the spirit of that, I went ahead and called DeMarcus Lawrence and Brandon Graham a half split. Uh, so with that, the Philadelphia Eagles had two and a half. Rodney McLeod, mm-hmm. um, we've got obviously uh, Brandon Graham and um, gosh, who am I forgetting here? Um, I had another Fletcher Cox, obviously. And yes. uh, the Dallas Cowboys had one and a half. Uh, their mm-hmm. one being Micah Parsons and the half being DeMarcus Lawrence. So their one player is a player who has never played in the NFL and didn't <laughs> play at all last year. <laughs> yeah. I mean, but like I said, there and if if we're if we're being true here, like hope for the Cowboys to be on the list, DeMarcus Lawrence is already debatable and like could cement himself as being on the list. Uh, Trayvon Diggs could cement himself as being on the list. That's about it right now like that's you know i i can't envision anybody else like slam dunking their way onto the list a year from now uh maybe maybe two years from now you're talking about jabril cox or kelvin joseph whatever but um it's difficult to imagine anybody else you know finding their way what about uh, other future eagles that you think like a year from now are potentially easy slam dunks on this team uh well on the cowboys point i think it's instructive you know this this cowboys defense still has a long way to go still has where they have work to do and also like i think if there are even more average linebackers in the nfc east we're not probably putting parsons on this list you know like not doesn't even necessarily need to be a superstar but if there's a guy who's just like you know that guy's pretty good like he's right he's pretty okay like then he's like parsons isn't probably even making it which is crazy because then the cowboys i mean uh demarcus lawrence debate aside would have no one or just half which is kind of crazy if we look to uh someone big on the eagles coming up um i'm looking through here because i sadly like the answer doesn't jump off the page to me um i don't think it's josh sweat although people will tell you they're really excited about Josh Sweat. i just don't even know if he's ever like a full-time player and also he's a free agent after this year i don't i can't say Derek barnett who was the you know the team's 2017 first round pick you would like to be able to say that I'm not seeing who really the defensive star of the future is. Like I'm, I'm looking through the Eagles roster right now, and I don't, I don't think that guy really exists. Like you could have hope for a Kayvon Wallace, you could have hope for a Davion Taylor, who doesn't even know how to play football. Basically, uh, it's it's slim pickings. 
that sucks for you, uh, not for us, obviously. But um, wow, this this was a way less exciting exercise, obviously, than the offense. Uh, but the good news is, is that next week we should rebound because next week BLG is all about special teams, right? You're on the NFC. Very, very exciting. I know people are, are just dying to hear <laughs> our all NFC East long snapper, which I actually have an argument for. So I can't wait till we get there. Um, so I have two final things before we say goodbye, BLG. Number one, what is the latest on Zach Ertz? Because you kind of had a pseudo prediction that he would be gone. We are recording on Tuesday, June 1st. Um, he mm-hmm. is not, for all we know, he will be by the time this publishes on Wednesday. Um, but yeah, do you think, is it any moment now? Or like, you know, what's, what's the latest? Just catch the people up. Yeah, so the buzz in the Eagles world is that Zach Ertz is not necessarily like a deal is not necessarily imminent. I think a lot of people have it in their minds that it is because it's like, oh, June 1st is here. And that means, you know, the Eagles can clear more cap space this year if they move on from him. And that's true, but I don't think it necessarily like means the Eagles are just like, all right, the date is here and they have a deal lined up. Like, I don't, that's not been the uh, portrayal. I think Jeremy Fowler just said earlier today that like, talks have been quiet recently mm-hmm. and three teams have kind of been checked in but that's i think the situation rj is harry roseman being really stubborn and trying to get more value than nothing for zach Ertz. but i think it's very clear at this point if someone wanted to give something up for zach Ertz of value they would have already done it and they would not be waiting this late in the offseason so uh, maybe he gets dealt for something i feel like it's going to be relatively underwhelming if anything like we're talking about i don't know like a sixth round pick. pick. Yeah. Something like yeah. That. Sixth round pick. Like, so uh, Bill Barnwell actually proposed a trade last week and it was like for the, it was to the bills where Zach Hertz goes to Buffalo and he goes get like the bills sixth round pick. And like some guy named Tommy Sweeney, I think who's a tight end. He's just like, you know, like a whatever tight end on the roster. And so many people are like, Oh, that would never happen. That's not high enough of a price. It's like, guys, the Eagles don't have leverage here. Zach Hertz doesn't want to play for this team. He is skipping voluntary workouts. All indications have been that Zach Ertz does not want to be here. And by the way, RJ, I don't think the Eagles want Zach Ertz on the team, at least at his number. Right now, Zach Ertz carries a 12.7 million cap number. That is the third largest on the team this year for a team, admittedly, that is in a transition phase, is not all in the win this year. Like, you're really just going to have that number on the books and then he's going to be gone next year because, like, he's definitely going to be gone next year because you're going to have to pay Dallas Goddard after this season. And he's probably not going to resign if Zach Ertz is still here. So it feels like it's inevitable that he's either going to get traded for some low return or they're going to just have to cut him at some point. Uh, we need an answer here, like a team. You know, you can it can be any team, obviously. Uh, best and worst case scenario for wherever he's traded. Compensation aside. Um. So I saw something about Washington over a Hogshaven, like being like, oh, we should trade for Zach Ertz. I don't think that's going to happen, though, obviously. I mean, a trade, I don't. I don't think that's happening. Could they pick him up? I don't think so. I, you know, Logan Thomas seems to be their guy. Uh, for my take, this, like the takes that I have out there, RJ, for my sake, that the <laughs> Chargers are going to win the AFC West, I would love to see him working with Justin Herbert. And also, sure. Zach Ertz is a California guy. So that kind of makes sense for him. You know, went to Stanford, of course. Um, so, uh, I, I, best case scenario, and that would be best case scenario for the Eagles in terms of like getting him out of the conference. I have uh, to play him this play- year, though. Play him this year, but eh, I mean, like, okay, that's one game, and then you don't have to see him maybe ever again. Mm-hmm. Um, so that seems preferable, getting him out of the conference. And then, I mean, worst case, yeah, is you're trading him in the conference somewhere or, or he's staying in the conference, and then you're going to have to see him potentially in the playoffs or, you know, once a year. Or I don't think he's going to be in the division, but that would obviously be the very worst case. I know that there's a first-round pick attached to this. 
but if he goes to Indianapolis and he and Carson flourish, is is there any <laughs> is is there any worst case you know uh, like emotion associated with that? Like holy crap, it really is this. Not that anybody doubts that at this point, but it really is this organization. They suck. They broke everyone. You know, look at everyone else now. Uh, I don't feel that way. And, you know, far be it for me to like not criticize the Eagles, but I, I honestly just don't feel that way. I think if Ertz went there and I don't know what Zach Ertz has left in the tank. I'm not going to say it's nothing, but he had a really bad year last year, RJ. Like he had his worst year of right. his career. And I, I just, I don't know. And teams clearly aren't, by the way, like lining up to get this guy. And that also kind of says something, right? It's not like teams think like, oh, this guy is still a total stud. And I think he could still be a good player, an effective player, but I don't think he's anything where you know he was at his peak and he's like really uh you know being in the conversation for even the top tight end in the league anymore so i just i don't see that as realistic i think he'll go somewhere and i'll do well do fine maybe he'll go to the bills who have been rumored that'll be fine like well he could be he could be like their missing piece to help them get over the top um but even then i don't think he's gonna have like this monster season i think he'll just be a good solid player he's the guy that shows up to the bills like the guy who's won a super bowl who shows up to the like you know, the team that's on the cusp and then he gives like a speech and he pulls out his ring and he lets everybody touch it. Like that's, we've seen this movie a thousand times before. Like it's, it's the perfect situation. Uh, that was my first of two things that I was curious about. My second is really mm-hmm. a question. It's just more of a vent. I just, I want to vent about something. Um, sure. And so I, I don't know. We've actually never talked about this in all of our discussions. Are you a Madden guy anymore? Like, do you still play Madden, you know, at any point? Not anymore. Used to be like every other year Madden guy for a bit. And then I just fell off. Uh, well, I saw a tweet, and I've seen tweets like this before, but I saw it on Wednesday uh, from an account uh, that goes by Ox God. So shout out to the old mm. auxiliary cable, um, you know, good times in the car. But um, it was it was like a highlight clip from Madden 2003, which came out in 2002. Mm. And it had the, do you remember the old little drills you would do, like the training camp drills? Like um, the best one was when you, were the, when you were the quarterback and you had to stay in the little ring and it would shoot tennis balls at you and you had to avoid them and still like make passes and stuff. And so mm. I don't know when the last time you played Madden was BLG, but it's so broken. The game is broken. Mm. Franchise mode is broken. It's so upsetting. It's This is the best you know, sport in the world, best league in the world, most, you know, profitable league in the world. I mean, give us a great product. Like it would be awesome to have a, you know, Madden where, you know, the franchise mode is great. You can run the Eagles. I can run the Cowboys. There's all these realistic things. Like these, these little things, like these little drills are absent from the current game. Like this thing that was in it 20 years ago is visionary for the game in its current state, which is just really sad and really upsetting. Did you play NFL street? I did play NFL Street. That was a lot of fun. I liked NFL Street. I thought that was really fun. I'd, I'd like to play that again, uh, make a new NFL Street, EA Sports, and then also probably shouldn't have a monopoly on football games, right? Like bring back ESPN 2K5, which is like the best, personally, favorite Eagles. Uh, I mean, I, I love it because T.O. is on the cover. Love T.O. Uh, and everyone loved that game, it seemed like. I don't even know if I played it because I don't think I had a PlayStation other than like playing it, you know, like when you'd go to like Toys R Us and they'd have like, you know, the video game set up ah, there and yeah, you'd yeah, play yeah. it. Like that's about it. But still, um, yeah. So I think we need more than just Madden. And I, I think you're right. Like it's like Madden is just so far. Like, I don't even think about Madden anymore. Like, it's not even like, oh, should I get the new one? Like it's not even a thought. And I think that kind of speaks to how like it's just kind of it feels like it's, to me it's just like fallen by the wayside. It's It's not what it used to be. Yeah, I feel like there's not even like the Madden curse doesn't isn't even like a thing. It's not even like a meme anymore. You know what I mean? Like no. it's it's just like 
and, and remember, like I remember when uh, this not like dating myself or anything, but like when Sports Nation had the Madden cover contest, that was so cool. You know what I mean? And then Peyton Hillis won and Calvin Johnson won. <laughs> I mean, what that a was joke. I know, but it was fun. Like there was something fun yes. to it, um, you know, which is, you know, whatever. Um, just, Do you remember I, who Peyton Hillis beat in the finals that year? Uh, for the cover? Um, yeah. It was Michael Vick. Wow. Could have been on it twice. I actually, and what a, no, what a shame! What a, like that's such a crime that Peyton Hillis beat out Michael Vick for like like Michael Vick is like like to me you want like a, a player who's fun to play in the video game on the cover. There's nothing fun about playing with Peyton Hillis in Madden. Like Michael Vick is arguably the most fun player to ever play with in Madden. He should have been on again. Um, I'm just double checking here. I don't believe that there has ever been a Dallas Cowboy on the cover. Oh, there was T.O. Um, on as a cowboy on the Hall of Fame edition. Now, um, yeah, that doesn't count. Three years, it doesn't. I agree. Um, yeah. But there have been Donovan McNabb was on it, right? And he was is he the only one for the Eagles. Yeah, like as a member of the Eagles. Yes, I believe so. Wow. Um, Vince Young was on the cover. Last thing I'll say here, BLG. I saw this. It was on the NFL subreddit. Uh, it was an old 2007 ESPN.com article predicting future Hall, like soon to be Hall of Famers and active players that were going to be in the Hall of Fame. Vince Young was like number 11 on that list. <laughs> so so um, he was coming off rookie of the year. I mean, it was a good time. But uh, all right. Uh, all defensive team for the NFC East in the books. Special teams coming Later next week, special teams, big deal in the NFC East. I mean, the Eagles tried to hire John Fossil or thought about hiring John Fossil, at least to be their mm. head coach. So uh, BLG from Bleeding Green Nation, your final thoughts. Yeah, I heard that Fossil thing like wasn't super legit, by the way. Like that didn't <laughs> like they didn't. I don't think they actually um, were like that wasn't like a real thing. Like hey. I got out there. Uh, it's, it's true. I'm just saying hey, um, it, it was a thing, though, a small thing. Yeah, I mean, it was put out there, but I think it was put out there to kind of make him look favorable. It wasn't like an actual, you know, anyway. Uh, good episode, RJ, as always. I would say more than just special teams next week. I don't want to like be, sure. think, make people think like, oh, it's going to be a boring episode. They're only going to talk about special teams. Who cares? It's going to be more than that, but we're going to get into that. And I, again, I want to say, too, we're going to get into head coach, which we've talked about before, and then general manager, which I think could be pretty interesting conversation. Oh, and whoever the general manager is can split the tie between Demarcus Lawrence and Brandon Graham. That'll be good. There you uh, go. Sweet. NFC's mixtape coming your way later next week. We love you all. Hi, I'm Neil Patel, host of Decoder, my show about big ideas and other problems. Right now on Decoder, we're doing a mini-series about one of the biggest ideas that's creating some of the biggest problems around, generative AI. Our series dives deep into some of the most pressing issues surrounding generative AI, with expert Verge reporters covering the cutting-edge frontier of the industry. How could copyright lawsuits completely upend large language models and image generators? How big a problem is AI-generated misinformation for the 2024 election? And what kind of impact are AI chatbots having on human relationships? Decoder's AI series will help you understand what's going on, why, and where it might go from here. Tune in every Monday and Thursday for new episodes of Decoder wherever you get your podcasts. Support for this show comes from Fundrise. Buy low, sell high. It's easy to say, hard to do. For example, high interest rates are crushing the real estate market right now. Demand is dropping and prices are falling, even for many of the best assets. 
It's no wonder the Fundrise flagship fund plans to go on a buying spree, expanding its billion-dollar real estate portfolio over the next few months. You can add the Fundrise flagship fund to your portfolio in just minutes and with as little as $10 by visiting Fundrise.com Fox. Carefully consider the investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses of the Fundrise flagship fund before investing. This and other information can be found in the fund's prospectus at Fundrise.com flagship. This is a paid advertisement.